Beautiful. Listen to that. Thank you, everyone in chat, for being patient. Hello out there in cyberspace, soon to be the metaverse if the billionaires have their way. Deadly storms swept through parts of the U.S. last Friday, killing at least 90 people. Six of those worked in an Amazon warehouse in Illinois. As the deadly tornado hit the warehouse, the walls fell inward, the roof collapsed. Moments before his death, worker Larry Verdon texted his girlfriend to say, quote, Amazon won't let us leave. Now, if you've ever worked retail during the holidays, you know that what is a restful period of joy and relaxation for much of the world is a stressful nightmare for you. Winter brings inclement weather, icy roads, and snow, and in my experience, sometimes the choice is either putting yourself in danger or losing your job. Here to talk with me about all of this is Motherboard Senior Staff Writer and expert on all things labor, Lauren Kyora Gurley. The Amazon warehouse collapse and the general state of the company is the topic of her latest, You Want Me to Die So You Can Get Your Slippers. Amazon workers say they're pressured to work in dangerous weather. I'm Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. Thank you so much again for coming on the show and joining us. Uh, Sorry about all the Discord issues there at the top. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Uh, Thank you so much for having me back on. Absolutely. All right, so what happened on Friday? Yes. So last Friday, um, a tornado or series of tornadoes ripped through Tornado Alley in the Midwest, killing 90 people. I believe the majority of them were in um, Kentucky. And six of those workers were actually in Illinois at an Amazon warehouse in Edwardsville. Um, And a tornado formed in the parking lot. Um, and Amazon says about, they gave workers about 11 minutes to prepare at 8 27 PM. Part of the roof of this warehouse collapsed. Um, workers were told apparently according to 911 records to shelter in bathrooms. Um, at least one of them died in the bathroom. Uh, five others died. The, the people who died ranged from the ages of 26 to 62 years old. Um, and like you mentioned, Larry Verdon, one of the workers who's 47 um, sent these heartbreaking texts to his girlfriend of 13 years. And I also believe he had three kids um, saying that Amazon wouldn't let him leave the facility. Those were the last things she heard from him. Um, I think one interesting thing to note about this particular warehouse and the people who died is that the majority of the workers were contractors, not actually Amazon employees. There were only, I think, 190 people worked at that warehouse. Only seven of them were actually direct employees of Amazon. Um, It also just, I guess, raises questions about the construction of Amazon's facilities and sort of their policies and procedures for um, protecting workers when dangerous events emergencies, climate disasters occur. All right. I do want to be careful and I want to kind of couch this up at the top. Um, You know, I'm from Tornado Alley, like North Texas is kind of right at the edge of it. I've been, I've sheltered in place before. Um, And to be clear, like what you are supposed to do in that situation um, when a tornado is coming for you is shelter in place, right? Typically you get in the bathroom, you get, you get in somewhere that's kind of, closed in in the middle of uh, whatever location you're in 
and get uh, somewhere away from windows. And that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Right. I, I mean, I guess actually have never, I am from California and I live in New York, so I've never had the, that experience. It sounds terrifying. Um, my understanding is that you're just supposed to get away from windows and get sort of under a sturdy, uh, something sturdy, um, get low to the ground. Like you want to be on the ground floor or underground. Um, we don't know whether the bathroom that the workers worker died in and that they were sheltering in had windows. But, um, you know, we do know that Amazon told them to go to the bathroom. And we do know that that building had at least one designated tornado shelter. So it's not entirely clear why they were in the bathroom. Um, an Amazon safety specialist who I talked to says that Amazon has at least sort of one shelter in place location in each of its warehouses that it's sort of um, designated with arrows. You should be able to see it sort of from wherever you're standing in the warehouse. Sometimes it's in the middle of the warehouse floor. Um, it's unclear where that was in this warehouse, but Amazon says there was at least one. All right. So you spent the past week kind of just talking to people, right? Talking to Amazon employees, talking to the people that are in charge of worker safety in these warehouses. What was kind of the... What was the overall takeaway for you after talking to all these people? Yeah, so, um, you know, I spoke to a handful of warehouse workers, manager, safety specialist who said that, you know, this isn't, I, this is this is a, you know, major tragedy um, and a pretty extreme, like, event to have occurred but um like this isn't the way that amazon handled it is pretty typical like in terms of not canceling work during you know when when there are national or government is issuing sort of safety warnings or travel advisories um you know i talked to workers who were working at amazon warehouses during um hurricane ida in the sort of mid-atlantic this summer where they had to show up even though they were getting like warnings on their phones saying like this is a life-threatening emergency shelter in place they still had to go in um i talked to workers who described you know driving in blizzards when like the governor had issued a state of emergency in new jersey to get to work and you know spending hours on the roads people who said they're not great drivers but they have to go to work um you know, their commutes taking four hours instead of one because they can't see anything. Talk to a worker in Florida who described, um, he works at an air cargo facility in Lakeland, Florida, who described like uh, basically uh, a new policy that rolled out this summer where Amazon was like, we can now um, force you to work mandatory overtime during a hurricane, specifically because flights are being, inbound flights are being delayed and we need you to stick around for like, the cargo to arrive so you can unpack it. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have these experiences of working in dangerous conditions, severe weather events, natural disasters. This is not the first time was basically what I heard. And I think the, the, the fear that workers have is like, yeah, you could stay home, but you're going to, um, lose something called UPT unpaid time off. Um, and if you run out of unpaid time off, uh, you can be fired from Amazon. See, this, uh, this story was very upsetting to me for a number of reasons. Um, the biggest of which is like, I've been, I've been in these situations before I, the, you know, I worked at a bookstore and in, uh, in where I lived in North Texas, uh, there's always every year, every two years, there's a huge ice storm. It doesn't really snow there, but 
sometime in February, there's going to be an ice storm that shuts the area down. And uh, I remember one year I was working at the bookstore and I woke up the morning after one of these ice storms. My front door is ice shut. We had to go out the garage oh and come, come around to the front to like chisel ourselves out. And there was uh, like what happens when the, when the ice storms are that severe is they'll freeze trees and they'll break apart typically in the road. And I had a giant tree in the front of my house and it was, I had to, to get out of my shifts at the bookstore that day in the next couple of days, I had to take extensive pictures and document all of this for them. They just won't believe you. <laughs> like you're going my to, God. you're going to get in trouble. Um, and it was, uh, you know, pre, a few years before that I had worked at uh, a banana Republic and I was made to come in during a major ice storm it uh, just like these people are saying, it took me about three hours to get there. I was late. Uh, I was written up for being late. When I got there, the power was off in the building. There wasn't really anything to do. There was no reason for us to be there. Nobody was coming in and shopping that day and buying clothes. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And so it just like reading this, it really mirrors my experiences working in those places. And this really struck me um, in your article. So we have, Amazon ostensibly has safety teams and specialists that are supposed to monitor and keep track of all this stuff. Um, One of them told you, in theory, the safety team is set up so we're not swayed by production interests and make independent decisions. But in reality, it is not always that way. Can you kind of tell me what, like, what is the job of an Amazon safety team? What do they do? What are they supposed to be doing? Sure. Yeah. So they have every warehouse supposed to have a, health and safety team. Um, And that team, unlike the other sort of operations of the warehouse is not supposed to be incentivized by like productivity or like how many packages, how how fast people are working, something like that. Not supposed to be uh, incentivized by revenue. They're supposed to be incentivized by basically the number or (laughs) de-incentivized to uh, like their, their, their job performance is based on how many people are going to into hospitals um, or being hospitalized for injuries that they receive at the warehouse. So in addition to that, they also make recommendations when there's like a a hurricane or a tornado um, to management at the warehouse, but what they should do, they develop uh, what's it called? Like, emergency drills. They're supposed to be having those emergency drills um, at least once a year for each shift. Um, We can talk about later why that's not enough. Um, They also, uh, you know, are supposed to be, um, you know, making sure that there's designated shelter in place areas in each warehouse and uh, that each warehouse under this is an OSHA law has a has an emergency plan in the case of one of these events. Um, But I think Oftentimes this team, like the worker I talked to on this team says he often finds himself at odds with production and with operations of of the warehouse, like the general manager of the warehouse, because they're incentivized by totally different things. Um, And so oftentimes he feels like the, the, the safety team, which is a lot smaller than all of the managers, is is ignored and a lot of the managers who just cycle through these warehouses because there's so much turnover um, actually don't know what uh, a fire drill or something like this looks like they don't know what their warehouse's emergency plan is. Um, so it's, it's scary. Yeah. 
That is so wild to me because I remember like every, every retail job I ever had the first, like during orientation, one of the first things they do is like, all right, here are the emergency exits. If there's a fire, this is what we do. And it, it, it baffles me that there would be managers in a warehouse job like that, that, um, you know, as, as you quote in your article, there are plenty of associates and managers who are unfamiliar, if not completely ignorant of the building's emergency procedures. Um, is it, mm-hmm. is it there? Like, what is the culture at Amazon? I mean, you've been reporting on them for a long time. You know, kind of how these warehouses work. What is the culture there that allows this to happen? Is it just that the rate of turnover is so high and that everyone's a contractor? What's, what's going on? Do you think? I mean, I think both of those things play a huge role. Like there are, I can't remember the exact number. I think, uh, a New York Times published an article that said turnover in Amazon warehouses is 130% a year. So if, you know, your reset, if you're going through basically all of your workers at least once a year, chances are that someone who, um, you know, is working there at any given time has only been there for a few months. So if they're doing a fire drill once, once a year, chances are that person hasn't been to a fire drill, especially, you know, if they weren't there on the right day or they weren't there, they they weren't there on the right shift. Um, And so, so I think, yeah, that that's a huge reason why people don't know. I think also in these delivery stations, a huge number of the workers, the, uh, the building that collapsed was a delivery station, which is different than a fulfillment center, which was like the largest type of warehouse that you hear about a lot. So people in the delivery stations are contractors and they aren't technically employed by Amazon. So Amazon isn't liable or responsible uh, for them if, if they're getting injured or hurt. Um, in the same way that they are for their own employees. I think there's also just, you know, really a culture of um, like <laughs> prioritizing productivity over everything else in terms of how like disciplinary uh, policies are formed and like what what you get punished for, what you're getting rewarded for. And in terms of how, you know, low level managers are also treated by their higher ups, like their bonuses, their salaries are all determined on productivity, not on uh, you know, how many people get injured. Um, so I think that all those factors together create this environment where um, people don't know what the safety plan is. And, um, you know, when disaster strikes, like, hopefully, uh, someone told me this, like, like, they had a power outage in their facility, and they had to do a fire drill, and no one knew what was going on or how to do it. But they were like, luckily, this wasn't like a, a huge earthquake or something like that. Is there ever an instance that you found when you were doing talking to all these people that the warehouse would shut down? Has it ever been a case where there's the the weather has been bad enough that they just tell everyone to go home or tell everyone not to come in? Yeah, so uh, I talked to a couple workers who had been there for a significant amount of time who said that yeah, I recall an instance where the warehouse was shut down for the day and we didn't have to show up or. They often do this. uh, There was workers at a um, delivery station in Queens last winter in February. They uh, showed up to work in a blizzard. Again, there was a state of emergency issued. Um, Once they got there, uh, the the manager said, well, none of the trucks could get in to bring bring the the uh, merchandise today so there's no work for you to do so just go home unpaid even though they had you know showed up in this massive blizzard um and so workers sort of protested they were like no you need to pay us to go home and they said no and eventually they got sent home without pay but i mean amazon does 
sorry, that was a little bit of sidetrack, but Amazon does evaluate, they say they evaluate sort of different scenarios uh, based on, you know, what's going on. We don't know if, I mean, the safety specialist said basically they think that um, Amazon is more likely to shut down a warehouse if they're not in the middle of peak season or something. If there's like a lot, if, if it's like a, you know, the middle of the biggest sales event of the year, they're less likely to do so. Amazon says, no, we do close down sites when it's appropriate. And they're constantly sort of monitoring the uh, sort of state, local and national um, guidelines or recommendations for this stuff. So there's some sort of level of mismatch between what workers say and what Amazon says it's, uh, it does. Um, and, uh, Amazon also told me that during hurricane Ida, that they did shut down some facilities. Um, they, they sort of ceased deliveries or delayed shifts, but we also know that in many cases, um, from workers experiences who were in the, in the warehouses that stayed open, that they did not shut them down. So, uh, Sort of case by case, we don't know what Amazon's criteria is. They wouldn't really like specify if they have like sort of a national policy in place, either because maybe they don't want to tell us or maybe they don't have one at all. I'm not sure. And another component of this that we've kind of touched on earlier is the cell phone use policy. Um, So can you get Mm -hmm. into why? And again, if you've ever worked retail or anywhere else, this is typically the case. Can you explain like what Amazon's where the Amazon warehouse's personal cell phone policy is and what the consequences of, of that are during events like this? Sure. Yeah, actually, not to talk about personal stories, I was fired from a restaurant for being on my cell phone when I had to use it like a long time ago. But anyway, so uh, yeah, having your cell phone during an emergency or when you're at work is like really important for a lot of workers, especially people who, you know, might have children or uh, people they're caring for who are elderly, their parents who are sick. Um, Amazon traditionally has not allowed cell phones in their warehouses, and they suspended that rule during the pandemic specifically because, you know, there was so much uncertainty and emergencies going on, even though I, I don't see how it's really any different than normal life. Um, but they suspended it, and apparently they are... Um, they were planning to uh, reinstate this cell phone ban on January 1st of this year. Some warehouses have already reintroduced the ban. Um, the warehouse in Illinois that uh, collapsed, I, I think workers were allowed to use their cell phones. But generally, this 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 event has sort of resurfaced this conversation, like, why are we banning workers from using their cell phones? Amazon says, hey, well, it's like harder to get workers to be productive if they have their cell phones. But um, workers are saying, like, you know, there are so many different types of emergencies where it's absolutely necessary for us to have our cell phones, specifically if, you know, we're inside, there's no windows, you can't see what's going on outside. And there's, uh, you know, maybe about to be a major, I don't know what, like a a hurricane coming through, wouldn't wouldn't you want to know, like workers don't necessarily trust Amazon to keep them informed about those events, because based on sort of Amazon's record. um, So there's this, there's this, uh, there's a lot of conversation about what's going to happen with that. And, um, I think Amazon is sort of considering backtracking on, on the ban, um, after did, what happened. Did they give you any, you, you talked to them a couple of times while you were like official Amazon sources. Uh, uh, you talked to them a couple of times. Did they give you any indication that they were going to calm down on the cell phone thing? 
you mean that they're going to re- uh, re- reinstate the policy? Uh, no, they didn't. Um, I know that they told Bloomberg a few days ago, or no, sorry, uh, an internal source at Amazon told Bloomberg a few days ago that they were sort of rethinking the policy and whether it would be reinstated on January 1st. I don't know who that source was, but um, but yeah, we, we will see. It's it's yeah, like you said, it's not. This isn't. I mean, this is this is bad at you know retail or restaurant job, but especially when you're inside an Amazon warehouse, like you, it's sort of like you're in a different universe. You have right. no idea what's going on in the outside world. You're not talking to anyone out in the, the outside world. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so bad stuff happened other places. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to just like hyper focus on Amazon because this is a problem all over right now. I think, um, in a lot of service industry, retail warehouse jobs like this, um, in the, I remember the first story that I heard about, uh, this after the tornado hit is the candle factory. Mm -hmm. Uh, what happened there? Yeah. So this is a horrible story. There's a candle factory in Kentucky where I believe at least eight workers died. Um, and management was threatening, uh, those workers that they would terminate them if they asked if, because they were asking to go home early because of the tornado. Um, I, I think it was NBC news reported that like 15 workers asked to be let go, um, so that they could, uh, you know, sort of dodge the, the the tornado, and their requests were denied. Um, and so far, the company has uh, denied these allegations. So I'm not really sure uh, where that leads things, but um, yeah, that was. I mean, that that's you know, we talk about Amazon being um, you know a, an employer that uh, sort of very controlling. I mean, that's sort of Amazon is is just one example of you know many smaller. Many smaller employers do the same thing. Well, and they're uh, they're a market leader, right? And in my experience, all the smaller shops replicate whatever the market leader is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, to a certain extent, you know, they'll they try to disrupt or break out in their small ways, but generally they're going to copy the top dog because that's what's working. Um, and right. So, yeah. So I do think that what Amazon does does get replicated farther down the chain. Right. Also, especially during like a labor shortage when everyone's competing for workers, Amazon's mm-hmm. sort of setting, they have the most money, they're going to sort of set the standards and everyone else is, wants to, you know, also hire workers. So they're going to adopt those same policies. Yeah. So is there, is there a written policy stated somewhere for Amazon about working in extreme weather conditions? Uh, you know, we asked about that and I, they said it's sort of, you know, on a case-to-case basis, they make decisions. I asked if there's a, hur- a specific plan in place for hurricanes. They said yes. We asked what it was. They wouldn't specify. Um, so as far as we know, there isn't, um, you know, policies in place. Uh, the This woman, um, uh, Maria Bachetti, who's an Amazon spokesperson, told me, we evaluate different scenarios and have closed sites when appropriate. Um 
so I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I don't know more than that. Um, they said we did in fact close sites in advance of Hurricane Ida and have closed sites, ceased deliveries, delayed operations when appropriate, um, and other events involving hurricanes, flooding, winter storms, high winds, or wildfire smoke. And we closely monitor ongoing weather events and follow the guidance of state, county, and federal officials on the decision of when to close a site. So that sort of is the policy they've they've offered us. I don't know more specifically. I also asked them, like, how often do you do fire drills? And they said we do them at different cadences throughout different warehouses. So no idea. Um, they didn't. They didn't provide um, much clarity there. So, uh, lots of generalities, no specifics, which is not super shocking. Uh, especially yeah. given that uh, this and other stories has kind of kicked off an OSHA investigation, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, there's a specifically an OSHA probe launched this week into the Amazon warehouse that collapsed in Illinois. Um, it's supposed to take six months, I believe. And so after that six month investigation, OSHA will determine whether or not they're going to issue citations or propose sort of monetary penalties on Amazon if they find that there were sort of health or safety regulations that were violated. Um, and, uh, the agency has had the, the government agency OSHA has had officers at the site since Saturday, they said. So you've been covering this Amazon generally for a while now. So you're, you're an Amazon labor expert. Um, I do feel like I know that motherboard's been talking about Amazon for a while and have been covering them for a long time and it's cropped up in other places, but it really feels like the pandemic kind of shifted everyone's priorities and we've all, the, the, the public has been paying attention in the past two years in a way that I haven't seen before. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, now that we're, we're, we're moving into the holiday season, we're about to start a new year. What, what have you seen over the past two years? What are some of your, I, I hesitate to use the word favorite, but what are some of the big stories uh, about this company that you think people should know as we move into 2022? Sure. So like, I guess when I first started covering Amazon, like two, a little less than two and a half years ago, it was very uncommon for, this is before the pandemic, very uncommon to see Amazon workers organizing publicly um, at warehouses to improve their working conditions. Like anytime there was a walkout, um, it would get a huge amount of attention. It was very rare. Um, we had only, you know, known of, I think this group of workers in Minnesota was like one of the, the uh, Somali workers in Minnesota who work at an Amazon warehouse had sort of gotten the furthest that any set of workers had in sort of organizing to get Amazon to agree to, you know, adopt new policies. Um, you know, over the course of the past two and a half years, things have really changed. Like there are, there's so much organizing going on on the ground. You have unions in Amazon warehouses. I think one of the biggest stories of this year was that there was actually a union election at an Amazon warehouse for the first time in U.S. history. And that in itself is a big feat, like getting, uh, you know, a third of the workers at an Amazon warehouse to sign union authorization cards to qualify for election, um, you know, takes uh, you know, a ton of coordination and organizing work. Um, and, you know, that union drive actually uh, went, uh, the union was defeated um, in a landslide vote. Um, and, you know, Amazon uh, definitely 
resorted to a lot of union busting tactics, which has also been a big um, topic of conversation over the past few years, how anti-union Amazon is and sort of the links that they will go to crush union drives at their company. Um, you know, Amazon has definitely been leading conversations about what the minimum wage should be. Amazon pays its workers $15 an hour um, and raised their minimum wage during the pandemic to uh, 16 to $18 an hour. Um, and and this has sort of gotten conversations started about that. Is that even enough? Um, it, you know, is are they are they driving up wages? Or are they driving down wages when you compare them to their competitors? Um, I think that you know, there's a lot of conversation about the impact that, like you mentioned, Amazon has had on sort of like uh, small businesses during the pandemic. A lot of people just began relying on Amazon for basically everything. And I think that, you know, even though, even as like we've sort of, the pandemic isn't over, but even as the the lockdown has sort of ended, um, people have continued to rely on Amazon. So I don't know if you've gone to like a shopping mall or anything lately, but like a lot of the stores are boarded up and closed or like the malls are basically like dead generally. Um, so I think that's a big story too. Jeff Bezos, who has been Amazon CEO for over 20 years, uh, I think over 20 years. Yeah. Um, uh, stepped down this year and was replaced, found a replacement for himself, Andy Jaffe. Um, and Bezos has gone off to go on, you know, his space exploration um, adventures. That was a big story too when he flew to uh, outer space. Um, you know, it was also a big story with this uh, tornado um, because uh, that same day, like as the tornado was. As it was announced that six workers had died, uh, Jeff Bezos was posting on his Instagram about the third successful Blue Origin flight that had made it into outer space. I think a lot of people are interested also in this sort of in in Amazon because it's going to be the largest employer in the United States in the next year, I believe. It's on track to be. Um, and so lots of people's lives are sort of shaped by Amazon's policies, by how it treats its workers, not just small businesses and consumers, but just tons of workers. So I think um, there are, <laughs> Amazon is sort of creeping into every aspect of our lives. And so it's it's um, definitely like people are paying more attention and sort of holding it under more scrutiny than maybe they did before the pandemic. Right. And, you know, was it last week we had the AWS failure, kind of one of these central points of failure on the internet? <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> this, right, right. This, this big part of the infrastructure that undergirds like our entire lives now? Even like motherboard was down. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. publish articles on motherboard. No one could get their Amazon packages. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a, a wild. It was a wild couple hours that day. Yeah, our um, infrastructure totally runs on Amazon. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that um, there's also just a lot of interest or um, anger towards like the very intense inequality between seeing sort of Jeff Bezos go into outer space and then having four, like six workers die in, you know, bathrooms and Amazon warehouses because of a tornado. It's like, this is the Hyatt, one of the most sophisticated tech companies in the world. You would think that this sort of situation could be avoided. All right. So moving into 2022, what are the Amazon stories that you're going to be watching? What are you What are you working on? What do you think the story of this company is going to be in the next year? 
Uh, that's a great question. You know, I don't know. I know that I think, you know, last year we saw the first Amazon warehouse election. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I'm really paying attention to the, the Teamsters who are organizing Amazon warehouses all over the country. I think we're going to, you know, start seeing a lot of that go public. We have another re-election uh, at an Amazon union election at an Amazon warehouse in, in Bessemer, Alabama, where uh, Judd ruled that they had to redo the election. We're going to um, waiting to see if there's going to be an election at an Amazon warehouse in New York City where workers have petitioned for a uh, union election. I think there are a lot of sort of community level battles playing out um, about Amazon, you know, uh, wanting to come in and sort of be the biggest employer in their town, but also a lot of people feeling like, what is Amazon giving back really? Like they're being awarded huge tax breaks and, um, uh, you know, they're getting, um, to sort of be the major employer in our city, but, uh, we're not getting that much out of it back. We get dead end jobs that are low paid, non union, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of, I've heard sort of, uh, about the beginnings of a lot of sort of local resistance movements. Um, you know, there's a lot of attention at the federal level and maybe certain states on sort of antitrust policies that could help rein in Amazon's power. Um, you know, those are just some of the things I pay attention to, but there is a lot going on, um, that, you know, I probably <laughs> don't know about. Um, so, I mean, Amazon also just started doing like, 15 minute delivery sort of, or a sort of speed, very speedy delivery service to rival Instacart that's launching next year. Um, there's a ton happening. Yeah. When I lived in uh, Dallas, we had prime now service there, which was the, you could mm -hmm. get almost anything you wanted within about an hour. So like, if you didn't want to go to the store to pick up cat litter, you could just get the cat litter brought to you, you know? Yeah. Um, the one thing that gives me hope when we talk about these things is that I've been alive long enough to remember when uh, we were as scared of Walmart as we mm -hmm. are of Amazon now. And like these companies, they grow and their power wanes and something else comes along. Uh, but what still scares me is, like you said, Amazon becoming the largest employer uh, as one of our uh, – as somebody in the chat said, you know, AWS – Outage showing the digital side of this. There's so much, these companies are so much bigger than these single retailers like Walmart that were in the past. And they're ingrained in so many places. Uh, Facebook is another good example. We like, we people make fun of Facebook and say that it's for, for old people and that the metaverse is this bad idea, but we have to remember how integrated Facebook is into all these other parts of the internet in places that aren't America. But um, all things move toward their end. Uh, in <laughs> we'll see what happens in 2022. Uh, you and I have got to go and be in a meeting in five minutes. So Lauren Kaora Gurley, thank you so much for coming on to cyber and walking us through this. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. And I'm going to shut down the stream. Everyone, thank you for coming on and listening and, and being patient as we fought with Discord. Uh, it'll be better next time. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.